The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and doctor of internal medicine, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-890-9783. And that telephone number again is 919-860-9783. I'm Dave Alexander, along with Dr. Franklin Weefald. And uh, every Saturday at 4, we are on Heart Health. And uh, welcome again. Thank you very, very much. I'm, I'm really quaking in my boots right now. You're quaking. a little worried. I'm quaking. Here's the thing. On last week's show, Dr. Weefald offered to leave the medical field if something could be determined. And all that time in Princeton is just worth just going out the window. Well, you know, um, I, I actually bought my way into Princeton, just yeah. like the rest of well, us. So, you. you know, it's going to catch up with me. Easy come, easy go. Yes. Also going to talk about Memorial Day and its effect on the medical field and childhood and adolescent gastric bypass. People are doing this on young people. How young? Well, I'm, I think the younger that some we can realize somebody has a genetic predisposition to obesity, the better. Okay. Last week's show, Dr. Weefold was on the phone talking about research done by Andrew Wakefield with a caller and... This is what it sounded like. But that guy not only had his paper proven wrong, but it was proven that he falsified the data and he was fired. He's an English guy. Yeah. Okay, you show me one scientific paper that's published in a journal of any uh, repute and I will quit my profession. How's that sound? Now, the caller on the air mentioned a specific name. Christopher Exley said, you got to go to that one. This Sound, sounds like another British guy. Andrew, yeah, yes, actually. Andrew Wakefield was fired because his, uh, they say his data was fake. Well, he, he, he basically was, made it all up. All right. He yeah. was the one that connected autism to vaccines. Right. Christopher Exley was the name that came up on the show. Here is the headline. Christopher Exley, noted vaccine pseudoscientist, blocked from funding. He had the same outcome. Basically, the medical community said, no, in fact, you're a scientific research. He cannot raise money in the UK. Well, and, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't know that ahead of time. Um, I didn't actually make the claim knowing that I would be right. But um, So you were prepared to be Mr. Weefold from here on in? Well, you know, when people call me Mr. Weefold, I don't mind. Oh, okay. So, and you know, the other thing, this guy's English, right? Yeah. Did you know that the most respected doctors, the surgeons, in, yeah. in, in, in England, the surgeons are the most respected. They're called Mr. So really? if you're a GP or oh. if you're a, a lowly cardiologist like me, you're doctor. But if you're a surgeon, really? you're Mr. Really? Yeah. So, hey, I don't mind being called Mr. Weefall. I've noticed that on British TV shows. They yes. do this. Tanya called in. She's from Clayton. She actually was on the line last week, but we didn't get to her. Well, Tanya, thank now. you. Well, thank you, Dave. Thanks you, for having me on. Well, well, we're very happy to have you on. Uh, well, thank you. I found last week's uh, conversation really stimulating. 
Um, I wish I could have been a part of it, but I'm really thrilled to be well, you know what? with the f- you right now. The floor is yours. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, few people ever say that to me very often. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am the mom of a mother with autism. I'm the mother of a uh, child with autism. Special uh, child, so, right? I beg your pardon? A very special person, right? Absolutely. In fact, Absolutely. all three of mine are very special, of course. Um, I also have a middle child uh, has Down syndrome. So we have two sons in our family with developmental disorders. Well, you know our what? You are. Is, you sound like a wonderful mom. Oh, well, I tell you what, I try to be with all my might. It is a daunting task. Uh, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's the best thing I've well, ever done. Well, God chose you, right? I believe so. I yeah. don't think there's anything that happens that's outside of his, that he know, he doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. So, um, for whatever reason, and I probably won't know all the reasons this side of eternity, but um, I am doing my best to raise them in a way that honors him. And Do you have an opinion on the possibility that vaccinations may have an effect on childhood autism? Well, let me, let me just start off by saying this. I know uh, I have a number of friends who are also autism moms who um, do believe that vaccines play a role. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Uh, neither do I necessarily discount their experiences out of hand. I will t- say this. It is really hard to have a mom tell you that they took their perfectly fine neurotypical child to the doctor who was developing normally and got the MMR shot and later that night woke up to the sounds of him banging his head against the crib, screaming, crying, mm-hmm. and, it, and lost all language, lost all eye contact from that moment forth, had autism. Yeah. Really hard to tell that mom that there's not a direct correlation. Well, and you know, the thing, and, the thing let me just say, it would be like uh-huh. saying, oh, you know, I changed my bottle formula, and the next day they came up with autism. That doesn't mean the bottle formula cause the autism. There's a thing in science we call post hoc propter hoc. That means it happened after this event, therefore the event caused it. And that is a shame. You know, I, I feel for these uh, parents. I feel for you. Um, you sound like you've got your you-know-what together, and it's, it's a 24-hour, 48-hour day for you. But I think for a lot of people, the guilt is assuaged by the thought that they're not responsible. It's not my fault. It can't be a genetic thing. It can't be that I pass these genes on so that my child has, is autistic. Now, I'm not saying that's the cause. There are some people who believe that autism has a genetic component. There are others who believe that it's a maternal infection. So when the, when the fetus is infected, we don't know. But I can tell you, I feel for these parents who want to reach out and grasp a hold of something that did this to their child instead mm-hmm. of understanding that it happened and we don't know why. Yeah, it, it is baffling. And um, I'm, I'm sure that, that that may come into play for a lot of parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not one of them. I am curious as to what caused my child's autism. Mine was not a situation where I had a typically developing child up until... 18 to 24 months is somewhere in there, and then suddenly he regressed. Um, although it was apparent to me at birth that something was different with my child. Right. Whatever it is my child has, and every, every specialist that's ever examined him and myself and my husband believe that he has autism, classic yeah. autism. 
What what spectrum uh, is he on? Is he on the high functioning middle? Uh, he's his skills are very scattered. He is um, he's high functioning in the sense that he's very social uh-huh. and he is verbal, although it is not age appropriate. Uh-huh. Um, he's had to kind of mechanically acquire the language he has, but he is prone to have had all of the classic symptoms of autism when he was a toddler, including the. Um, Outburst of aggression he can have severe behavioral disorders uh-huh. that can very often, almost always, go with autism. Um, he is a kind of a hodgepodge of all of these different levels of functioning. Right. And so, it you know, he doesn't really fit any one particular description. Right. Um, out of the DSM four, he, um, as most people are, you know, you say you meet one person with autism. Well, you've met one person. That's right. Yeah, and that, that's the They're thing. People the try to pigeonhole an autistic right. child in one set of of characteristics, and it's just such a huge spectrum. It is. But my son, whatever he has, we believe it's autism. He was born with it. Yeah. He had uh, the only thing that was typically developing about my child was gross motor skills. He had all of the he had all of the milestones like you know sitting up, mm-hmm. rolling over, crawling, walking. All of that was was typical, but he didn't develop language. Wow. And we noticed there was a lack of eye contact. As he grew, there were other um, symptoms that you see in children, young children with autism, the hand flapping, um, lack of language development, uh, head turning, looking at things out of the corner of his eyes, um, unusual ways of playing with toys. Um, it was... you know. It, obsessive-compulsive types of behaviors, mm-hmm. lining things up. All of it was pointing to autism. And um, his formal diagnosis was at age four. As he has grown and developed, I've started doing, looking into published peer-reviewed clinical research that was looking at any and every mm-hmm. theoretical cause of autism. There does seem to be a clear genetic connection. I think there However, is. Let's face it. You know, we yeah. didn't suddenly, yeah. in the last 30 years, produce a generation of people that have an autism gene that didn't have it before. Right. Do, um, did you so say there... to be another Tony, environmental catalyst of some kind. Tony, it's funny, in North Carolina, doesn't or didn't or didn't sometimes sounds alike. Dr. Weefold is, mention, is agreeing, saying... Yeah, there is a genetic. I think so, and okay. I'm not going to lie. We don't Tanya, know the cause. Tanya, is that what you just said? I think, you know, that, that the research tends to indicate that there can be um, genetic arrays okay. that would lend someone to have a predisposition right. to acquire this disorder. However, um, the, the latest working theories seem to gravitate towards there being some sort of an environmental catalyst and an, and an interaction genes into yeah. motion that then okay. produces symptoms of right. autism. Right. So um, I've looked at some studies, some peer-reviewed studies, in um, a different different sorts of um, journals. That um, th- th- there's research now that is looking at immune response to viral infections. Right. I was just reading about that. Yeah. Yeah. Brain inflammation right. is there's a there seems to be a strong connection between brain inflammation in the developing fetus. Right. And I was just reading about that. Later in life. Yeah. Um, looking at post-mortem brain tissues in control samples and those that were diagnosed later with the disorder after birth. Yeah. 
Well, listen, I just, I wanted to thank you for calling. Um, I think that on this day, we should all give thanks Mm -hmm. to people like you who are mother of the year every day. Yeah. And God is uh, looking down upon you and smiling because you are doing what we're supposed to do. And that is love each other unconditionally. You love your children unconditionally. And I just want to say thank you for being who you are. You know, my children with disabilities are people, too. They're differently abled. They're just differently abled. They're not less than. And that's where we need to put our focus. Everybody is loved by God. They're made in His image. Therefore, they are worthy of a life and being loved unconditionally. You're absolutely Absolutely. Absolutely. Tanya, thank you. You have a great day, and God bless you. All right. Bye-bye, Tanya. Uh, what do you feel about uh, people coming into the office with a, something they've run off? People like Tanya well, educating know, here's themselves. The thing, here's the thing that I used to do. Yeah. Is I used to go, oh my God, oh no. <laughs> well, and now when you have somebody come in with something from the internet, the best thing for me to do is to say, oh, that's great. You've researched it. And before they can open and say, this is the truth, I say, I haven't seen this. Can I see it? <laughs> you take it. So away. then I grab it out of their hand <laughs> since they can't start spouting it. Good for you. And I can say, yeah, you know, here's the point. And then I sort of redirect them. But, okay. you know, let me tell you. Yeah. I'm going to say this. A couple of times they have taught me something. Okay. Right. I treat a condition called uh, neurocardiogenic syncope. It's when the brain and the heart don't communicate yeah. and the brain gets a signal from the heart and causes the arteries to dilate instead of constrict. One of the ways to treat that is through salt intake. You increase your salt. Okay. So salt is bad for high blood pressure, but yeah. it's really good for low blood pressure. And so somebody brought in something from the internet of a new manufacturer of a specific salt capsule. Mm-hmm. You know, who wants to keep adding salt to your diet? I do. You know? Okay, okay. But anyway, so they <laughs> now they, they, they got me into this company, into this yeah. program, and it's made a huge difference. So now I say bring it in. But don't expect me. I always, I already tell him. Don't expect me to agree with you. Maybe that's the I'll theme of the it, show. I'll take it seriously. All right. All right. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. If you want to be a part of this show <clears throat> with any question about any part of your body, because Doctor Weefold is, of course, a cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, and everything affects the heart. On heart health, News Radio six eighty WPTF. Word. Now, back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on News Radio 680 WPTF. And we are on until 5 o'clock today, between 4 and 5 every Saturday. Heart Health on News Radio 680 WPTF. And Tracy joins us, I think, from. Uh, Tracy, were you on last week? Yes, sir. That was me. Oh, okay. And you've got a comment about another potential situation that with autism. Am I correct? Uh, actually, it has nothing to do with autism. Okay, I was good. just wondering if he looked up the food allergy study that I mentioned last week. Food allergy study. Do you have the name? Well, you know what? I just got something on the internet, and it's very interesting. It's yeah. uh, the Journal of American Medical Association Network. Okay. And to make a long story short, common allergic conditions, in particular food allergies, are associated with the autism spectrum disorder among U.S. children. Okay. But there's a very important thing. What's that? The underlying mechanism has not been established. Now, what this means 
is that it's worth further study. And I want to talk about post hoc propter hoc again. Because mm-hmm. something's associated doesn't mean it causes. That's the important thing. So you are right that there are scientific studies that show that there are higher incidences of allergic conditions, such as food allergies, in people with the autism spectrum disorder. But that does not mean there's a causal relationship. Tracy, do you have a name for that study? I do. Yeah. Um, I was. Th- this study has nothing to do with autism. I okay. actually don't have an autistic child. Oh, okay. Yeah. What is it that What is it that they connected food allergies to? Vaccines. Vaccines. Uh, I'm okay. looking it up right now. All right. What, food do you have a and primary uh, primary uh, uh, researcher? Do what? The last name of the primary researcher helps us to look it up. Okay. It would be. Well, there's so many different ones on here. Hold on, let me... First name, that's the the person who's in charge. Can I give you the title? Yeah, sure. Okay, the title is Effect of Endotoxin and Alum Adjuvant Vaccine on Peanut Allergy. Okay. Okay, well, I've got one now that I just pulled up from the Journal of Developing Drugs, and they claim that there is evidence that uh, some of the things in vaccines can cause food allergies. So I'll have to look at that. Um, tell you what I'm going to do, just for you. I am going to pull a bunch of studies, and next week or the next time we can talk, because I don't know. Most of the articles I'm looking at now are on the internet, um, are yeah. from anti-vaxxers. So what I want to find are articles that are from um, real scientists who don't have a dog in the fight. I understand. Okay. Under- okay. Tracy. Tracy, I've got a... One of the authors of this study is yeah. actually the president of the entire UNC Children's Hospital. Oh, really? He was and he's, a, he's an anti-vaxxer? For quite some time. <laughs> is he an anti-vaxxer? Can, can you give me a last uh, definitely name? Definitely not. I would not say so. <laughs> this study, I wanted to be very clear, this yeah. study does not say vaccines are causing everyone's food allergies. Yep. I was just trying to bring to light that this is a possibility. Right. Okay. I love that. Vaccines can reduce microbial exposure by preventing infections and vaccine adjuvants such as Alum can promote allergies in genetically predisposed populations. I'm going to look into it. Just make it aware that vaccines are causing injuries in some children. Actually, vaccines can kill you. No, vaccines can kill you. Vaccines can also, the polio vaccine can give you polio. Uh, yeah. There are people who are allergic to the components of vaccines and don't know it yeah. and can die from a vaccine. Now, I'm not saying that anytime you stick something into a human being, there are not risks. What we're talking about are benefits versus risks. And if you look at the benefits to the entire population of the world, the risks are worth it. Tracy, yeah, see, I don't really feel like... God cares about the population of the world more than the individual person. Right. So a child like mine who's been injured, most likely, and I'm not going to say positively, yeah. but most likely by vaccines because he is atopic and has that genetic condition probably of the phalagrin gene causing right. him to have eczema and right. a broken skin barrier. But whenever he's having aluminum adjuvant, which is actually how they create allergic models in mice for research, and then we have that DTaP vaccine, that right. cellular pertussis, that is known to cause TH2 skewing of the immune system, and it also includes milk protein in that vaccine, which is the number one food allergy in children right now in the United States. Okay, so here's it what it kind I, of seems like 
know. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do just for you, because I don't know enough about it. I'm going to research it, and then the next time, we're going to get you back on the phone, and we're going to talk about it. Now, I will say very quickly, because we know that vaccines can cause catastrophic problems, and rarely in people, there are, um, there is, I'm sorry, the federal government has a fund to um, help people who've been injured by vaccines. That's a well-known thing. Yes, it is. So it's not as though I'm going to say that that vaccines can't hurt people. They can. It's extremely rare. But the government... One in 13 children has a food allergy. Yes. The government recognizes certain consequences of vaccines Mm -hmm. and has a program to help people who've been injured by those vaccines. Do you Tracy, know how, can I? How quick you have to actually, you have to, bear, you have to know that that program is available, and a lot of people actually don't. And if yeah. you don't meet that deadline, yeah. like I didn't, because yeah. I didn't make that, you know, connection until later on. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. Again, I'm not arguing with you. I just wanted to. Share no, the listen. And you know what? Somebody said that last week. I'm not arguing with you. Arguing is good. Argue with me. I mean, the whole point is how we, no, no, you can argue or you can be, yeah, we can just, just, it's my, my child has been effective. So it's just very personal to me. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Tracy, I'm going to, you're great. I'm going to put you on hold for a second. I want my producer to get your telephone number and we'll, we'll call you back. I've got a, uh, uh, I, it'll be at least two weeks. I've got a website that I found called anti-vax and no anti-anti-vax right and it's interesting because it brings up the the topics we're bringing up but then presents what the medical community right has to say about it fascinating with millions of links i'm going to look this issue up i I, i'm grateful for the opportunity memorial day has had a great influence no the service of our service of our soldiers has had a great influence on the medical field. We're also going to talk about childhood and adolescent adolescent gastric bypass for obese children. And there are a lot, far too many, and adolescents. That's coming up on this radio program. It's called Heart Health, but you can call about any condition, including one you might have. We'll give the phone number in just a moment on WPTF. Now, back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefald on News Radio 680 WPTF. Where the waiting room is mostly empty and there's not much of a wait anyway. You know, uh, you, know you don't want to come to my waiting room. <laughs> yeah, most doctors, they give out <laughs> magazines. Yeah. Novels. Novels. Yeah, I give out novels. Because you're what? Sometimes, listen, if somebody comes in sick yeah. and they take more than 15 minutes, yeah. I, I can't not spend time with them. Now, it's really funny because it was three o'clock on Thursday and I was on time and I walked in with a patient who routinely waits an hour for me and they look in their face. I thought they're going to have a heart attack. And I said, what's wrong? He says, you're on time. Yeah. You know, Marie from Raleigh called up. Thank you, Marie, for joining us. How can we help you? Hey, you haven't told them your other name. Oh my gosh, this is the Marie. The Marie? The. The. Yeah, I followed him to three different radio stations, and this is you, a great You've one. been following me. What I want to talk you to talk about yeah. is strokes. Okay. I've seen so many people, even younger than me, that yeah. are having them. Yeah. And I don't know if they're just not going to the doctor or what. Well, but let me tell you. Well, 
kind of like mini strokes or something. Sure. I just uh, want you to talk a little bit about strokes I will. and blood clots. Well, let me tell you, there are there are several kinds of strokes, um, and the stroke that we most commonly talk about, um, they used to call them dry strokes as opposed to wet strokes. Okay. This is way back when I was in medical school. Now, a dry stroke is caused by a clot. Usually, in most of the cases, it's a blood clot that forms yeah. in one of the arteries that feeds blood to your brain called the carotid artery. There's a cholesterol plaque. The smooth capsule above the cholesterol on the inside of the artery breaks. Yeah. A clot forms and it breaks off and goes into downstream one of the arteries feeding an essential part of your brain. Excuse me, I can't hear you. Oh, well, I'm sorry. All right, Marie, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on hold, and putting you on hold might actually make it more possible for you to hear. And then you can listen to the radio. And you can listen to the radio. Okay. Thank oh, you, Marie. All right, hold on. So, so then the blood gets cut off to the brain, yeah. part of that brain, and you lose that brain function. And so if it goes to what we call the middle cerebral artery, which in most people who are right-handed, it's the left side of the brain, it'll cut off the speech, the muscular function. So what you'll see is a drooping face, yeah. somebody unable to get their words out or can understand you but can't speak back. Now, the great thing about these kind of strokes is that if we get to them in time, we can reverse the defects and actually prevent permanent damage. Um, there is a, a medicine called TPA, which is a clot-busting medicine. It'll mm-hmm. chew up the clot. The only danger with that is it can cause bleeding. So you have to get there quick, so fast. Face, um, uh-oh, I can't remember. But Face, it just means arm. Arm, speech, and time. F-A-S-T. Right. Call 911 if you think your loved one's having a stroke. There's no such thing as a false alarm. Is this why my doctor keeps telling me to take aspirin? Well, that's one of the reasons. Because what aspirin does is it reduces these little, uh, the the ability of these little cells in your body called platelets Mm -hmm. that work with certain proteins called clotting factors to form a clot. So when you have this clot form on the inside of your artery because of this cholesterol plaque, Basically, it's because the blood cells and blood proteins think you're bleeding. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to form a clot sure. because there's a, 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 a erosion of the cover of this plaque. Anyway, so you can give this clot-busting medication. Aspirin helps prevent a stroke in the future. It also is a treatment for after a stroke. But the other thing we can do, if the, if the clot-busting medicine is not working, we can go in your leg, go yeah. up into your brain, and actually suck the clot right out of that area. It's fantastic. It's a new thing for the past few years. So if you think your loved one's having a stroke, if their face is drooping, if they can't speak, if their arm is not working, get them to an ER ASAP. Don't wait. Don't wait. All right. Now, Marie, another kind of, yeah, go ahead. Another yeah. kind of stroke is a bleed in the brain. And yeah. you have to distinguish the two. Okay. Because sometimes they can look the same. That's why before you give a clot-busting medicine, you have to get a CT scan mm-hmm. because a bleed in the brain will show up, and that's a whole different treatment. Bleeds in the brain are usually caused by very high blood pressures, caused by what we call a little aneurysm where the blood vessel breaks. So I saw this huge mistake in my office in my, in my previous incarnation where one of my friend, doctor friends, who's very smart, just assumed it was the clot stroke, the dry stroke, gave four aspirin, sent him to the emergency room, and it turned out it was a bleeding stroke. 
And what she didn't want to do was cause more bleeding. So that's the thing. Don't assume, even though 90% of the time, maybe a lot more, it's going to be a dry stroke that needs a clot buster. Because if it is a bleed, it can be catastrophic. catastrophic uh, I can't speak. Catastrophic. I, I want to pick up with Marie, but Marie needs to turn her radio down and then join us Our now. radio is dying. There you yeah, go. Yeah, Marie. <laughs> So do you, do you know anybody else who's had a stroke? You haven't had one, but it, tell me about your friend. Well, uh, actually, they, well, you know how old I am, and actually, you're a youngster. You're a youngster. And um, they, I mean, they get back out and go back to work yeah. and everything. That's the great thing. Can, can, I, can I talk about your husband? Uh, well, he's never had one. Well, no, that's the whole point. Remember, but, he's got this thing called atrial fibrillation. Mm-hmm. And so that is a risk for a stroke because the top part of the heart's not beating in, in, in a regular fashion and little clots can form and they can break off and go to the brain. So what we've had him on is a medicine that prevents a stroke by not letting those clotting factors work quite as well. Mm-hmm. And if you have AFib, like, uh, like Marie's husband, you can take these medications and if they're well-regulated, you reduce your risk of stroke tenfold than if you're not taking the medicine. So, Well, I, my family, I've never told you this, but we have a history of blood clots in yeah. my family. Yeah. My mother had them, my brother uh, had them, and um, I, they never had a stroke. But um, I do know, I, I just hear a lot of people having them uh, lately, and... Uh, I just want to hear a little more about them. I know I'm on that medication, too. Yeah. And, uh, you're a good doc, great doctor. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you know, we're that. We're well taken care of. Marie, I thank you. Just, Marie, you have a great Memorial Day. We'll, I'll see you a couple weeks. Okay. Love you. Too. Thank you, Marie. Bye-bye. Uh, my dad had a mini strokes. Yeah. So what is a mini stroke? A mini yeah. stroke is when the clot goes up to the brain, Yeah, you have a little bit of a, a speech problem or a little bit of numbness or something, and it goes away. Yeah. And then the reason why is your body naturally wants to break a clot up. Mm-hmm. So there's a constant battle between clot formation and clot re- you know, regression. Yeah. And it's just as lucky that a lot of people have these little things, these little mini strokes. We call them transient yeah. ischemic attacks. That okay. means it lasted for a short time. Ischemic means a lack of blood flow, and then attack means it suddenly happened, and a lot of times it suddenly goes away. This must have been 30 years ago, and let me just tell a quick story. He went to a doctor. This was around Christmas time. Went to a GP. Bells were ringing. And he had aphasia. Yeah. He was saying things. Aphasia means you can't speak. He was saying things that could not. He was putting nouns and verbs, and it was like a jumble of words like i am on a friday afternoon <laughs> right right so the f- doctor sent him home saying you know a lot of people drink secretly around christmas time <laughs> oh my word Do you, you want to know something yes that is something i've seen a lot yeah i have a patient i hope he's listening i'm not going to mention his name because i don't have permission but he was told he was drunk right and berated for drinking when he was having a stroke and they sent him home. It's it's terrible. Yeah, terrible. I promised at one point to tell the funniest blood clot story ever. Oh, you you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. 
What is the what is the blood clot in the lung? There's a very dangerous pulmonary embolus. Okay, so my wife, no, a family member, had a had a surgery, uh-huh. and then two weeks later, had a pain up underneath the rib. Oh, classic, yeah, terrible pain. Okay, goes to the GP. They say, you know, we think you might be having this thing. We want you to go to the doctor. Right. Why don't you go to the emergency, emergency room? room? She walks into the emergency room. She's in the check-in line, which is really like a grocery store. And the people there look at her and say, are you here to see somebody? Because she looked perfectly healthy. She says, no, my doctor thinks I'm having a pulmonary embolism. Well, you, it was almost like the whole place exploded. They got her a wheelchair, got her into triage right away. They passed by two or three other people who had injuries that were obvious because they weren't going to knucklehead around with this. Right. Good hospital. Good hospital. I won't yeah. tell you what it, what it was, but, you know, she could have been in the emergency room for, you know, half an hour in a Well, line. that's one of the reasons that I think when you send a patient from – your office, the yeah. first thing you do while they're in the car, call the emergency That's room. That's a good idea. Do uh, you want to hear my pulmonary embolism? Sure. Story? So I have a patient I've been taking care of for a long time. I don't have her permission to use her name, so right. I won't. How I met her, I was walking through the ER late at night, and I saw a very worried husband standing outside, literally wringing his hand. Yeah. And I took a peek, and this woman was purple. I mean, I'm <sighs> not kidding, okay? So the husband was crying. I said, what's wrong? He says, well, they say my wife's going to die. So I said, well, I'm sorry. I can't be involved. You haven't asked me. So right. to make a long story short, another different cardiologist had said she had had gastric bypass surgery. We were going to talk about that. And yeah. she threw a huge clot to her lung. And the clot was so big that it was cutting off all blood flow except maybe a squeak. I went in there. She was completely conscious. Yeah had a blood pressure you couldn't measure and was cold, she was gonna die. Now everybody was afraid to treat her because she just had surgery. So they're afraid she's gonna bleed to death. Yeah, so no. I went to the husband, I said, if you want me to treat her, I will treat her, but she's gotta have this clot busting medicine now, and then we've gotta get a whole lot of blood from the red cloths and yeah. put it in her. Because you can replace blood. Yeah. But when someone's dead, you well, can't replace them. I understand. So he said, yes, I put a big tube called a catheter under her collarbone into the vein that goes right to the heart. Yeah. I got this clot-busting medicine. I stood there. Yeah. And while I was talking to him, I was slowly putting, it was a combination of two, slowly putting it in. And I'm looking at him for about five minutes and explaining what I'm doing. All of a sudden, something grabs my arm. Yeah. I look down, there's this pink lady <laughs> sitting up saying, yep. thank you, Dr. Weefall, can I go home now? <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. Now, I did have to give her eight units of blood. She did bleed. Mm -hmm. But that was 15 years ago, and she's my patient now. Excellent. All right. We've been talking uh, with Dr. Franklin Weefall because after 4 o'clock, between 4 and 5, every Saturday, set your alarm on your smartphone for Four o'clock yeah. on a Saturday. Or, or you can listen yeah, all the on time. the podcast. Right. WPTF.com. Look under Dr. Weefold as one of the hosts, and you can listen to all of our shows. We've been planning to talk about how military experience yeah, and wars. I, I am a huge, huge respected fan. No, respectful fan 
of our soldiers, both men and women who have served. My dad served in World War II, my uncles did. Mm -hmm. And one of the most amazing things about war is, you know, we hate it, Mm -hmm. we don't wanna see it, we don't wanna see what happens, but if there's something that come out of it, peace, things like that. We have commercial. Yeah, we do. Yeah, let's go to commercial. Are we ready for the commercial? Yeah, we're absolutely ready. Let's go to the commercial. We'll come back because I want to talk about this. Okay. Also, childhood and adolescent gastric bypass. And we are going to give a couple of shout-outs in the next couple of minutes. Shout-out! 919-860-9783. Heart Health on WPTF. You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my head back and shout, come on now. This is Heart Health News Radio 680 WPTF. This is our shout out segment where Dr. Dr. Wickfall and I will shout out companies who are doing good things in the medical field in the vein and fading hope that maybe they will sponsor us. Well, we'll see. That would be good. What's it, well, who are you good bragging about? RX. Yeah. I was skeptical. Um, there are these little cards you may see in your doctor's office. I have patients who are on generic drugs because of the PBMs, the physician benefit managers. They don't include them mm-hmm. in their formulary. So, you know, a simple drug like Zinapril will cost them $80. Yeah. You can look online. Uh, you can find what pharmacies participate, usually Walgreens, Harris Teeter, they all do. And you can bring these cards in and get them for five bucks. Yeah. I saved, I counted. This week, I saved my patients $5,000. Amazing. Now, the company makes money. GoodRx is a company. Yeah. But what they do is they contract with different pharmacies so they can get deals for their patients. And you know, the pharmacies do it. You know why? Have you mm. ever walked into a pharmacy to get a prescription and not walked out with like 10, 15, 20 bucks worth of crap you didn't need? You <laughs> yes, know? Yes. Okay. I mean, yeah. And that's where they make their money. Okay. So the pharmacists see this as a way to get traffic. Yeah. You know, I have a very expensive medicine that's not covered. And I won't tell you how much it costs. Yeah. I got it for half price. And that's half price. Compared to what your Going, insurance if would I have had, paid? Yeah. If I walked in, yeah. my insurance company would have said, here, we're going we're gonna to cover it, quote yeah. unquote, but your copay is X hundred dollars. Yeah. So you get the GoodRx card from your pharmacist, and a, I mean, from your doctor and a prescription. You walk in and say, I'm paying cash. Yeah. Don't put this through my insurance. Yeah. Now, the only downside is it doesn't contribute to your deductible. There probably is a way I could. But I saved half price. I mean, I got it for half price. So good RX. Okay. Ask your doctor about good RX. I'm going to shout out. Uh, there's a group, and they're in North Carolina, Prism. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just tell you that I have a longstanding boo boo on my tutu. I have a an injury to my foot that requires bandages. Oh wow. Okay, it's it's no big deal. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks. My doctor said, "Okay, I'm going to write you a prescription." And this group is going to send it to your insurance, and they're going to mail you the bandages. some bandages. That's awesome. They mailed the bandages within a day. Wow. I mean, I'm talking, I was in the office Tuesday. They were there on my porch Wednesday. And the insurance covered it. And the insurance covered it. Bless And heart. there was a moment when I couldn't get to the doctor to get a prescription for it. And I picked up the phone and said, can you send me? They said, yes, here are our prices, and they're excellent. Right. It's called PRISM. Now, my doctor said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to PRISM. And I thought, <laughs> what? Really? What have you done? 
but it's with an M at the end. Yes. Anyway, those are, there's our, our right. shout-outs shout for outs. this week that we present in the vain and yet fading hope that they will sponsor our show. Well, if they don't, what the heck? We're here. Yeah. Listen, Shut- let, me, let me talk about the uh, Memorial Day connection to medicine. Yes. The shock is what kills people. Okay, so when the soldiers were, were shot yes. um, in World War I, uh, good luck. They're very, very difficult, although it was much better than, say, the Civil War. There's a guy named Crowley who founded the Shock Trauma Institute in Baltimore. I yeah. spent many a great year in Baltimore at Johns Hopkins. Uh, we had a great relationship with the Shock Trauma Unit called the Golden Hour. If, if you could get somebody to resuscitate their lost blood and lost volume from being shot or being hit by shrapnel, they had right. a much better chance of survival. And he brought that concept to the U.S. Now, there used to be helicopters flying all over the place. What we've learned is that, you know, staunch the bleeding as much as you can, swoop and scoop and get them to an emergency room, a shock trauma unit, where we can put these big IVs in, we can take them right to surgery, we can put plasma and blood in and save lives. So if you look at the survival rate, for example, now in Afghanistan, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, what happens is that people who used to die on the battlefield are now surviving, but they're surviving with loss of limb. Sure. They're surviving with many, many um, different uh, dysfunctions dis, dis right. of their bodies. And so that's a difficult thing. And now we're developing, you know, through the military, better prostheses. Right. Um, the face transplant. Um, for the people who are badly burned. So we can look at what the military has done, military medicine has done for us. Now, you see all these shock trauma units in the United States. That's a direct result of of the efforts of this guy Crowley, um, who in my, he's a doctor, he's a hero. He is a wonderful human being. He did this, he brought it to our attention. Now, if you look at one aspect of it, the murder rate is down in the inner cities. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, you know why? Because they're not dying. Really? It's not murder. It's sure, assault. Sure, sure, So what we can do now, and car accidents, all yeah. these other things that used to kill people and still do, yeah. we can save their lives now. And now they're actually bringing the, operati- the operating rooms to the battlefield. So you'll see that there's a full OR with a CT scanner and a yeah. ventilator to breathe people on. That's another way that we're really, really reducing the mortality rates uh, in in our military um, from combat. Wow. It's fantastic. Do you want well, to get a chance to talk about the uh, childhood adolescent gastric bypass? Let's, let me do, let's do that the next time. Okay, um, that's fine. I am such a big fan of the military in terms of what they've done. Uh, my mother came to this country uh, as an immigrant, mm-hmm. and my dad, grandfather, came as an immigrant. And it's the greatest country in the world. We owe everything that we have to the people who came before us and the soldiers. Um, Memorial Day started out as Decoration Day. Mm-hmm. It was the day that we all decorated the uh, graves of soldiers. And I, I would have everybody who's out there having a good time because it's the beginning of the summer yeah. to know what we're actually commemorating. And there is a poem called In Flanders Fields that's yeah. about soldiers who died in World War One. You got it, go I, ahead. Yeah, yeah, I want to read it. In Flanders Fields the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place and in the sky the larks still bravely singing fly scarce heard among the guns below. 
We are the dead short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow. Loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders Field. Tape up, take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders Fields. If you have a chance to say something to a veteran about how much you appreciate what they've done for our country, if you have a chance to visit a, a graveyard where there are veterans, do the best you can to express your appreciation and show the, the world how much we as a country have benefited from their sacrifice. Excellent. Well said. Thank you. That's Dr. Franklin Weefald, a cardiologist and internal medicine specialist with Millennia Cardiovascular. We do this show not to boost Millennia Cardiovascular. I, you we? know, I, my practice is full, um, but I take new patients, but this is yeah. not the reason why I'm here. I'm here because uh, other people have other hobbies. They fix old cars. Yeah. They garden. I yak with David Alexander on hey. the radio. Hey. I don't think there's any other better hobby for me. That's great. You know? yeah. That's great. Listen, I looked a couple of things up. We got to keep an eye on this over future shows. Uh, measles is in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, with the exception of the ocean um, and Virginia. You know, we're getting hemmed in. Yeah. Um, take care of yourself. Go get your MMR. If you haven't gotten it yet, and you were born before 1965, yeah. go get it. All right. Dr. Franklin, we fall back on next week's radio, though the show is not live. We'll see you in two weeks in WPTF. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.